listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 522. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we return to discuss season two of the Apple TV Plus series Foundation. So, uh, you know, before I fill you in and everybody else in on, you know, why we were off for a week, see you got your daughter off to college and uh, some great pictures, but did you deliberately hang those pictures crooked and not the same height? Um, I did not hang the pictures at all. That was my son, Sean. Had, oh, okay. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. The they look good. So, and then, you know, well, Hannah's direction is like, where do you want these? And she's kind of vaguely waved her hand towards the wall saying, over there. I love it. And so I, I, I at least had the wisdom to know that it's, it's better to pass that job on to someone who's not going to hear it later if he messes it up. Whereas if I mess it up, I would hear it. So oh, always good to delegate, yeah, for sure. Right. So, but uh, uh, so yeah, she actually got. Um, so here's a kid who was in a house with people with COVID, went through the all the COVID, never a cough, and a week before she's getting ready to to go to college, she gets COVID. Oh man! So she had to report uh, to you know she went there because she's playing field hockey, so she actually reported to school two days later so she could quarantine first, and then so but finally today she's cleared so she's going to be able to to be practice full on now and everything so she's really happy about that but it sucked that uh, you know. All right. Well, anyway, uh, if you guys have been following the Facebook group, you know that the reason Wayne and I didn't record last Monday was because this big storm hit in our area. And for me, it knocked my power out for four days. And, you know, as, as I communicated to you and, and, and I think you know this about me, I mean, yeah, it was a drag, but my God, when you see what the people in Hawaii are going through, what the people in Ukraine have had to deal with for two years, you know, no power for four days is, is, you know, small potatoes. So, you know, we're just fortunate. Yeah, it really is. But you know what is so weird? And I know, you know, because you know, this area so well, I don't know whether it was a tornado. I don't know if they've said yet if they even know but these winds just went down route 140 which is kind of the main drag in my area and you know it's it it it, it allows people to work from pennsylvania and maryland and vice versa and it knocked down 32 utility poles yeah but i don't know of any buildings that were damaged no because all the the, all the poles fell you know onto the road right but i mean that 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 wind i mean right. what if it had veered i think what it, happened is it just well first of all those poles are probably all the same age so you have to think this was happening eventually anyway you know yeah I I just like the one started going and it just pulled all the others down with them or a couple of them uh, at once and it just pulled all the rest down you know it's just oh well at least one of us is uh got some critical thinking skills here uh, I don't all know. right it was just it was <laughs> that makes sense like you know i like a, I, you know i posted the picture for everyone to see because it's just crazy yeah and uh i think the the biggest hit was it shut down the dunkin donuts right there yeah. so i don't know what people did for their coffee because yeah because starbucks know. is right next to it too it yeah exactly well. yeah, my god wow. people probably had to make coffee at home they probably had to there, there's a thought but uh um, so, you know, I went up there to the grocery store and it looked like they had all the new utility poles up. They had some of the cable already hung. And, you know, I know Fred mentioned in the Facebook group that in the Netherlands, all the cables are buried. And, and I mean, for the past 30, 40 years in the States, they, they do that. But I guess Baltimore Gas and Electric figures it's cheaper and they're just not going to go back and replace uh, you know the the cables that are already above ground and, and you know Even unfortunately this was the perfect time to do that you know you think. well it would have been you would think so yeah. and, and i guess the, the the bad part is that while my neighborhood and, and a lot of the surrounding area are, are below ground as soon as you get out of my neighborhood then then we're tied into above ground and then it goes down the hill 
you know, over by Bethel, which I know you know, and it's like all of this wooded area, and who the hell knows where the cables go. Yeah. But anyway, uh, hopefully we are back on a regular schedule. Needless to say, I've looked into a whole home generator, yeah. and we'll, you know, yeah. I mean. Well, especially when you're, because you're on a well, so like, oh if God. you use no water. electricity, you don't get any water. I remember, right. and this is years ago. We it was in winter time and we lost water for like four days, uh, and that was a big challenge. But you know, luckily, it had just snowed, and so we had a lot of snow on the back deck. So, like for water to put in the toilet, we would just go scoop a bunch of snow, boil it down, and throw it in the back of the toilet so someone could, uh, you know, do a poo. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway. <laughs> That's that's probably a, uh, a a good place to transition into what it is we're watching. And uh, I, I mentioned to you, I've got a take five in the offing. And, and I was going to mention something in tonight's podcast, but I think I'll save that for the, the take five. But uh, I was looking for something to watch last night because uh, Mary fell asleep early and I've noticed this on Netflix for a while now, and it's called To the Lake. And it's a Russian post-apocalyptic thriller that follows this group of people that are trying to escape a rapidly developing viral pandemic. And, you know, this is a 2019 series, which obviously anticipates, scarily enough, COVID-19. And uh, it's pretty good. I, I uh, you know, it, it's... Th- it's got these next door neighbors that are now thrown together and really none of them get along with each other. And without, I don't even want to go into some of the personal dynamics because those are kind of spoilery. And if it's a show, somebody wants to go ahead and check out, it's sort of cool to watch it develop organically, particularly with the two teenagers, one boy, one girl. Yeah, someone's, yeah. I was saying, it sounds like someone's having sex with someone else. Well, uh, it would uh, appear hasn't happened yet. I watched the first three episodes last night. So, uh, you know, it's like I watch one and it's like, well, it's pretty good. Let's watch another one. And then, you know, once you're two in, it's, yeah, well, it's hard to turn back. You're up, yeah, at that point. Yeah. So anyway, what do you got? Well, um, actually not two weeks worth of stuff, so. Um, last week, I was—I actually went back and watched the season one of Foundation, which I'm glad I did because I think I would have been confused if I hadn't gone back and watched that. So, uh, with season two, so um, uh, my comments on that—I would refer you to our uh, podcast we did on that season. Uh, my wife and I finally got caught up on Handmaid's Tale, which right now is just like. Neither of us, I think, are actually enjoying it. <laughs> but, you know, we're, I think it was, what, fifth, the fifth season, I believe. Uh, they just Oh, really? Did. Yeah. And, you know, we're just in it so far that, like, we just, you know, we can't get out. Like, you know, both, you know, I was like, you know, I'm like, Joe, this, this show is just not very good anymore. Like, in many respects, it's kind of bad. And she's like, I know, but. Like I just we have to watch it. I'm like I know, <laughs> yeah. So uh, so we we did watch season five. I can't 100 percent say we enjoyed. There were moments, and the acting is still. You know, they have really good actors in it and everything. So the acting's good, but the I think the writing is just completely. You know, it's like like every week, Fonzie's jumping the shark. Like every single week, you know, that something ludicrous happens and um, more heel turns. Than, than than you would could imagine, Dave. Like characters change on a on a, on a episode by episode basis. You know, I, I don't know if it's because I mean, obviously they probably have different people writing different episodes, but it seems like they have different showrunners each episode. You know, it's like crazy. So anyway, um, Handmaid's Tale. I liked it at first. Really liked it at first, but uh, now not so much. So I, I did was able to watch uh, season two of Good Omens which was pretty good. Just finished the, the last episode the other night. Uh, I enjoyed it. I thought season one was better, but season one just, you know, totally followed the book, you know, almost like word for word. So 
And uh, but you know Neil Gaiman is still the showrunner for season two, so it was still the the spirit was still there. But I I really think they they dropped the ball when it came to the uh, the season two finale. Um, I'm not going to you know comment on it more than that, but I just think they did at the end of it. I was like that. I, I don't know. It just that seemed really bad. You know. <laughs> Um, so what else we got? Oh, Alan Thomas's songs of the years, 1983. Uh, he, when he told us about that after I dropped the, that I was reading Bernard Sumner's autobiography and he told me about the podcast he was doing and I, so Alan, I'm sorry. I haven't listened to anything except for 1983 yet, but I, I do intend to go back. Alan's going to really enjoyed your podcast and thought that was, uh, really great. And, and, uh, I liked it a lot. And then last but not least, I finished uh, Trevor Noah's book, Born a Crime, which was a really, really good book, Dave. Like if Because he, he, he grew up a uh, you know, mixed-race uh, child in South Africa, uh, and when he was very young, was during apartheid. So um, it was a really good, really good, well done. And he's, he's, a, he's a good writer. He's a very clever and funny person, too. So um, I highly recommend that book. Okay, cool. Well, you know, it's funny that you – mention reading the book because I, I don't know if you know this when your power's out you can still read a book true because i finally got around to reading the peripheral now i haven't finished it yet and, and obviously in, in my case i saw the season one of the series as you know we podcasted about it but uh, you know it's really interesting i'm not sure i'd understand what the book was even about had i not seen the <laughs> the the series so uh, yeah. you know i'm enjoying that i'm about a hundred pages in okay so probably be another couple months before i get back to it now that i got tv and uh, right. the internet back <laughs> but uh anyway all right well let's get the foundation which is something that hopefully one of us understands here uh season yeah. two episode one titled in selden's shadow written by David S. Goyer and Jane Espenson, directed by Alex Graves, released on July 14th, 2023. Now, you mentioned you went back and rewatched season one. Mm -hmm. I, I wish I had. I guess it would have helped me. I mean, I looked over my notes. It but, definitely would have, I think. Okay. But, I mean, you know, on the one hand, it, it appears as if we're supposed to understand that Empire is getting smaller uh, there's an impending war with foundation. And then the question, how much, if at all, is Empire floundering? You know, and, and we get that one scene where Dusk tells Day to get your house in order, brother. And, uh, you know, you wonder how much of that has to do with the, you know, the realization that Brother Day is having sex with Demersel, yeah. <laughs> even though... Apparently, that's not unheard of. Well, yeah, you know, I don't know that. It, I, I just, I don't know what to think about that. You're speechless. I, I, I'm speechless. <laughs> I don't, I don't mind the sex scene. You know, I'm good with that. But you know, it felt a little gratuitous. It seemed. We know you all were thinking it all season one. Well, here you go. We're gonna give it to you in the first episode of season two, and then you could just get it out of your system, you know, because you know, they go to lengths, like for even to say, oh, you know, she can't, when Brother Dust points out the obvious moral uh, cloudiness of his sleeping with Demerzel, not the least of which she, as he points out, changed his diapers but also the fact that she serves him. So this is, you know, problematic. And certainly in uh, today's world, this is verboten, right? But he's like, well, she came to me. And like, oh, well, that's okay then, right? Like, you just try to like, go out of the way to kind of try to make this okay. And, and it just seems like they just... Like the narratively, I don't know if it does anything for it, except for like obviously the cool scene of her going from having sex to then, you know, taking out people and kicking ass, uh, even with her, you know, head sliced in half, um, which was cool, but you don't need her to be having sex before that. You know, you could just have her kick bad guys' asses 
without the you know the sex beforehand. So yeah, you know, I don't know. Well, well, I mean, does it matter that Demerzel is an artificial intelligence as opposed to a human being? Well, see, now, now I refer you to humans, Dave. Okay, was that not morally uncool when it happened in humans? Well, it was, but I, I think you get the sense that Demerzel has infinitely more agency than any of the AI in humans. Now, maybe I'm rationalizing you know, you know, what it is we see in this episode, but I, I'm pretty sure we learned that Demerzel has been around for centuries. Right. But as far as agency, she has none. Like we uh, saw okay. that season one. See, this is where season one pays off because right. there's a big thing when she goes when uh, when when Empire does the walking to the the the, the cave thing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, right. and you know, and a big part of that episode is her inability. Even though, like, because remember, it's like the the one priestess who like Empire didn't like and everything like that. And, um, you know, a big part of it was like, oh, she's like, well, you, you are making your own choice. She's like, no, I can't, I, I can't. And she ends up killing the, the, um, I can't remember what they, I, I call her priestess. Uh, that's not what they called her. I, I can't remember what they called her. But the point is, is that this woman that she admired cognitively, I guess, she still murdered because she was ordered to. And then, so she's like, that was a big part. It's like, no, I, I have no agency i only can do what i'm programmed to do all right so so then day's i guess excuse to dusk that she came to me we're probably supposed to view that with a healthy bit of skepticism yeah that that, that's actually how things transpired right it's probably the other but i guess that and i'm i'm when i say i guess then it it makes it sound like i don't think that's true which which I do think it's true. Um, getting back to what Dusk tells him about getting his house in order, the other thing that strikes me so much about this episode is Cleon's questioning of the process of decanting and whether he's feeling his version of mortality, which, you know, I mean, it, does he have enough critical thinking to say and raise the question that this can't go on forever can it and if it can't go on forever shouldn't we look to see how we can perhaps change things if for nothing else to remain in power but it does seem as if he's questioning and you know this impending marriage with queen sarath of cloud dominion which is an awesome name, I must yeah. say. Um, I mean, the idea is he wants to procreate. So then we go back to his thing with with Demerzel. Isn't it just practice for when he gets married? Yeah, right. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, but no, it, well, you know, here's this is also you know what they touched on with that that same episode was whether Cleon has a soul, right? Sure. Um, and the priestess, I keep saying that. I know I feel so bad. I can't remember what they actually called her. You know, she's basically like, you don't. You know, you have you have no soul. You're a clone. You have no soul. And then he goes when he gets to the end of his journey, and he doesn't have a vision that he just steals Demerzel's vision to convince everyone that he did and to prove that he does have a soul. But in reality, he did not. He didn't see anything. He just he was there in the water. And nothing happened. So. You know, so now he's, you know, it's not the same day. I guess that's another thing that's tough to wrap your head around because this is generations down the line from that guy we saw then. Like that guy then is not even dusk anymore, right? I mean, that guy's gone. It's been like, what, like 300 years, right? Did they say? Yeah, yeah. So so, you know, so this idea that the, the cloning process is in and of itself unnatural and faulty is, is exactly what's affecting brother day now right he's like we need to get back to our we've, we've gone too far away from our genetic origins like we need to get back to being actual people with actual souls so do you think it's a a question that 
because it's gone on so long that this this notion of a soul i mean i mean it's almost like you know his lack of a soul and i'm making air quotes could it even be psychological to a point because uh, if you look at orphan black yes fred i said orphan black <laughs> um i don't think we'd question for a moment that each of those individuals had a soul why, why would we think otherwise i i don't know that's just what they said in the show, Dave. Like, well, I understand that. <laughs> I'm, not, so, I'm, not, so, I'm not saying but, but, he definitely does it. I'm just saying. Well, what, yeah, but I mean, in, in the case of Orphan Black, they're all first generation. Right. As opposed to Cleon. Uh, well, he's like, what, Cleon the 16th or whatever it is. So, something like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so a lot I mean, of Cleons. Exactly. So, um, but, but that really strikes me about this. And the reason why this marriage you know you know is impending in the first place do we learn whether previous cleons have married i don't think it, it i mean it's so shocking that he's doing this i would say that they had not right right so then we go, go back to my question from a few moments ago what is it that's changed that's causing him to want to marry well, I mean, and have children. one thing is the foundation is growing okay. and his empire is shrinking. Okay. I, but how could, does this fix anything? Is, uh, is it that she brings her people on board? And that, I, I feel like that actually could be a big part of it. Okay. And, and certainly that makes sense. Um, you know, obviously the other major part of this episode has to do with Harry Seldon, Gail and Salvor. And I, fortunately, you went back and, and rewatched, and, and you know, while I rewatched this episode several times, I'm still not exactly sure I have a good handle on what's going on with Harry. All because, right, here we go. All right, Harry's <laughs> physical body is dead. Yeah, killed by Raish. There are two virtual copies that we know of of Harry, at least. At least, right. One of which uh, Gail has tra- has oh, sorry. trapped trapped in the cube. Yes, and the other is in the vault at Terminus. Yeah. Okay. So, all right. So now, where do we go from there? I mean, uh, you know, we 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 know about Harry and and his psychohistorian roots that that he's predicted. Um, you know, these falls to occur at, at this point. And it does seem as if we're, I think they say today is the second crisis, but, you know, we get that one scene where we look at the timeline and while it was supposed to go in one direction, this happened and now it's gone in a different So, I mean, has Harry lost control of the timeline or is this part of his plan? Well, right. Like here's here's where like the books come in, right? Because and I, and I promised myself I would not, and I didn't reread the books. I purposefully, I like it was seriously like I have a pile right next to my bed, and foundation is on top of it, and I look at it every night, and I'm like, my hand starts reaching for it, I have to like slap it, like no, <laughs> no, you are not going to read Foundation again, Wayne. Because Dr. You're going to, you're going to do this. You're right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, you're going to do this podcast cold. You're not going to talk about the book like you did. I know I did in season one. I know I did too much in season one. I apologize, everyone. But you know, the thing with psychohistory is, and they mentioned actually in like the first episode of season one, is that like it covers like, like he, I can't, he's like, I can't predict what's going to happen in the next like five minutes but I can tell you over the next thousand years, right? So while it looks like in the moment things are, are veering, it could all very well be part of the, the overall grand plan of, of, of Selden's, you know, quote unquote, you know, plan. But when Raish sent Gail and put her in the pod, in the pod rather than himself, like he threw a big loop in Harry's plan, and Harry's like still like his consciousness is still a little peeved about that, you know. 
you know, so we do get a certain, a, a strong feeling that everything is not going to plan, as we might say, if you'll forgive the word usage there. So. Yeah, I mean, he sees Gale as his tormentor and, you know, he's trapped in the prime radiant. But we get that cool flashback to his childhood and, and we learn about the relationship he has with his mother as well as the relationship he has with his father. And I don't know how much that really is important to the grand scheme of things other than, you know, that whole thing with the paper folding is what appears to be, you know, how he right. escapes from the, the prime radiant. Right. But, so, and, out, outside of that. Yeah. And, and, and again, that scene, I probably could have done without because it's just so loaded with cliches, you know? Yeah. I mean, I guess it humanizes him to a, point yeah but and we've seen it so you know like the 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 mother who is sympathetic with him but the the mean nasty father and everything mm-hmm. like okay yeah how many times now, have we seen this right yeah yeah now on terminus the alarm goes off hasn't gone off in 138 years uh, the null field around the vault is dissipating but we don't really get any resolution in this episode, right? I mean, I'm not forgetting something. No. That's, that's pretty much it. And no, well, but this is, I mean, this is the second crisis, right? Like, yes. And, and so we, we know that the foundation at the end of the first step of, sorry, the first season, um, you know, all these planets that were trying to attack Terminus, um, Salvor Harden, she killed the the lady with the the bow, probably because she was trying to win a space battle with a bow and arrow. But we'll leave that. Um, and and then said so we need to unite. So it appears like all these peripheral worlds have united. Dare I say, as as they did in the book. Um, and so now the foundation is is growing and getting bigger while the, the empire is shrinking. Um, and then, so now here, there, there's something's happening that is going to, you know, obviously threaten. But we also know that there is a second foundation out there, as well, which Harry tells Gail in in season one, or is it this episode? Ah, I don't know. But anyway, there's another foundation out there that that they're heading for, actually. I right now. Right, right. I don't think we we hear about that in this episode. That that's in. See, now you got me confused. Well, well, either I, in the I, book, I, or... so I, I know that's in the book, but that's I, I'm not spoiling. This is not a spoil. I know it's in the book, but I know they said it in season one as well. Right, because right. that I was surprised that they said it in season one because I'm like, whoa, whoa, hey, that that's like that's that's like that's two books down the line. There, people, let's relax. You're moving a little fast here. How many right. seasons now, do you want in this show, right? Yeah. <laughs> now, you know, you, you mentioned, and rightly so, that, uh, uh, you know, the idea of tropes in, I guess, not just science fiction, but but all forms of drama, I don't want to say they're tough to avoid, but, you know, as more and more stories are out there, it it becomes more of a challenge for writers. We'll, we'll just leave it at that. So what do you think of the situation that um, Gail and Salvor find themselves in as mother and daughter, daughter actually uh, older than mother? Uh, right. One sees the future, one sees the past. Uh, you know, I, 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 I guess I really like the way that story is unfolding. No, totally. And on the one hand, you know, I feel like there's a trope there somewhere, but I can't really put my <laughs> finger on it. <laughs> well, there is, but I think they're, they're, they're like messing with that trope. I mean, the trope would be, Oh, my daughter. Oh, you know, and she's like so happy because this is her daughter. And she didn't know she had a daughter. Right. But you know, and all of a sudden, and she's like, Oh, I want to hear everything about your life. But in reality, like they're not even getting along at all. Like, right. But then we get that scene though, which is sort of the turning point where they raise the sunken ship. And what's required to do that is for 
uh, Gale to give Salvor breath to be able to, you know, survive underwater long enough. And now we go back to the season one scenes where she's swimming in the pool and practicing holding her breath. Right, right, right. And while she couldn't possibly have foreseen that, or could she? Well, she no, no, uh, no, no, she did. Okay, she, yeah, she did right because she. And again, I, I can't remember if this is from this episode, season one, but you know she saw the the destruction of her world, right? Which was already we saw like by and large a water based world. There's not a lot of land on her world. She saw that that the the tides were rising, and you know so. You know, all of that, I think, was, is part of that that vision of her seeing the future. So, but but the whole idea of giving breath, giving life, and 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 I just think it 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 really brings the two so much closer together, even if they don't recognize it or admit it at this point. That uh, you know, certainly we've seen stories where characters are thrown together that maybe don't even like each other these two you can't say they don't like each other they don't know each other right and once that that literal connection is revealed that all right well why did you oh wait no you didn't abandon me did you yeah, <laughs> you know right. so, so there's so much to process here yeah. none should, of which should I be mad at you or there should i have issues with you or i don't know like Right. So, so I, I'm really loving, you know, the, the storyline there. And then we see them, you know, on, on that raft and, and, you know, they've got to deal with the, the weirdness that just, you know, doesn't seem to want to, to go away. Yeah. You know, actually, but, I, I'm just getting cut in because that whole, like, whenever, like, you have a scene where a character has to hold their breath for a super long time, uh-huh. and I always try to, like, kind of sometimes... I like hold my breath with them to see, and I, of course, I can't hold it for even a fraction of the time that these characters miraculously can. But it reminds you. Do you ever see the Abyss? Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. So there's that scene in there where um, uh, Ed Jack Harris, the set. right, like, like takes a big breath and like swims like a super long time, just holding his breath and like that. That kind of is reminding me of this because like. Um, Salvor held her breath for a, a really, really long time. Well, it seems to me in season one, we we learned that she could do it, hold her breath for four minutes, some ridiculously long time. I, I maybe I'm misremembering, but anyway, um, you know. And then we get to the end of their story in this episode, and and obviously, you know, Harry's part of the story you know, becomes more and more focused and, you know, the, 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 so who is it talking to Harry? I mean, it, it, it's, you know, an image of his wife, but it's not his wife. Is right. it just simply the prime radiant, um, you know, taking, I'm making air quotes again, corporeal form um, as a means of communicating with him to give him something that he feels comfortable with, um, but you know th- that that whole idea that I have a vested interest in humanity's destiny, and she's like, "Yeah, your mind's been damaged for a long time. You're going to need to repair it if you're going to escape." And then, of course, Salvor suggests to Gale that she release Harry. But of course, at that point, we realize he's already figured out how to get out right. by folding paper. So, yeah. So, um, so that's Yana is the name of the character. Um, I had to go to IMDb to, to find okay. things. So, well, they actually, they did say it, but I, I couldn't understand it 100%. Right, right, and that was Harry's wife, right? Right. Well, he, yeah. he calls her his uh, life mate, Okay. I think. But uh, she's on IMDb, she's listed as uh, Yana uh, Harden. Wait, no, Selden. Sorry, Yana Selden. Yeah, yeah that, I mean, that was, I was, that was just kind of weird. I mean, like, I, the hats off to the set that they had when he was like in his unconsciousness. It was like, that was super cool. I thought. Um, oh yeah. In the, in the kind of mirror maze. Yeah. 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 Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You know, I, I, and then at the end, which I, I had to, I, I listened to like, I must have rewound it like four times and I still couldn't understand what she was saying. So I, was, I 
finally broke down and just turned on closed captioning. When Yana whispers to him, she says, to meet her at Una's world. And she said, you'll appreciate down to your bones. I have zero clue what that means or why they made it. So the only way you could know what she was saying is to turn on closed captioning. Yeah, that's a good question because I, you know, in my world where I'm using closed captioning all the time, I frequently see something like that. How would I know that? You know, yeah. if I, you know, if we were back in the seventies, right? If yeah, I was watching right. this back in the seventies, yep. where I, a I couldn't rewind it, and B I wouldn't have closed captioning, I have absolutely no idea what she whispered in his ear. Yeah, and you'd wait four months for uh, the rerun in the summer. Yeah. If you're lucky. Right, and then you could maybe video, you know, you tape it on your VHS, and you could rewind it, but you still wouldn't understand what she was saying because you yep. still didn't have closed captioning. Yep, so. All right, well, the last thing I wanted to bring up, and I'm sure you've got some things you want to throw out there, Cleon the 17th, I think you might have said that. I did. Um, was I right? You were right. Ah. So, nice. so, so we get that scene towards the end of the episode where he welcomes his bride's party to Trantor, the doyen of the trade leagues, Queen Sarath the first, sole descendant of Dominion. You know, with that kind of an introduction, a bit of arrogance is is warranted. Yeah, you I think. think. <laughs> <laughs> but I also have to say, pretty cool though, too. Like, I mean, if you're it gonna. Was. If you're gonna roll like that, you roll like that. And she she did, man. Like that was cool as shit. Well, you know what was even well not no, it wasn't cooler, but what was really cool was the bride's gift of pigment. And you see mm. how excited Dusk gets. Yeah. Uh all of a sudden like, Dusk uh, is on board, right? Yeah, man. And I forget what what you know, the adjective for what kind of blue uh, it is, but you know, then when Day pulls out his little brass, you know, replica of of uh, Empire, it's like, dude, that's pretty weak, man. You know, compared to the blue pigments. Yeah. So, I mean, but, I, I mean anyway. it's it's metaphorical, though, Dave. Right? Yeah. Good point. So, um, and and everything, you know, there's a certain amount of tension as the gifts are being exchanged, you know, and and you're trying to get inside people's heads, like, well is their gift better than our gift or, or right. whatever? And then all of a sudden Demerzel comes in and we've got a crisis, you know, to, to deal with and uh, a body found floating in space. Yeah. No, but we know that body. Right. Cause that he was, he was killed by the Anacreons 300 years ago. Right. And we've got that ship Invictus and yeah. I forget which episode it was from, uh, from season one, but we, you know, talked well, about it's like the, the last two okay. or the three. I don't know. Towards the end, because they 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 take it. They actually, or did they? Right. Um, Can't remember. But anyway, that was the big point <laughs> that they were to you know going to take the 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 Invictus and everything, and they killed this guy, and it comes back to bite him in the butt a little bit. Right. But the other interesting thing that happens here is you know the, the the notion that Selden's foundation never floundered but actually flourished and and as you mentioned you know a little bit ago that that actually is at the other end of the galaxy doing quite well thank you very much and it's Demerzel that suggests restraint rather than war now i i think any good advisor is going to advise restraint rather than war but we certainly get the sense that foundation is perhaps at the weakest it's ever been certainly that well, it's no, been in quite not a while. the foundation empire. i'm sorry empire empire yeah the empire yeah, right right for sure well the empire well it gets weaker every day right right so that's why i mean he's like he's taking extreme measures like marrying and procreating yeah because i think he's just like just trying to throw something at the wall and make it stick you know yeah all right what else oh yeah ninjas really yeah you know like i don't know but i'm like just saying yeah i mean it was a fairly well choreographed action it sequence cool. it was yeah. a really good action sequence but you know like we're we're supposed to be like this futuristic 
space world and we still have ninjas. I get, granted, they were blind, so that's something, but I mean, still, right. you know. And just as he was about to bite it, then Demerzel to the rescue. Yeah. So even with half a face. Well, yeah. And also, well, he got sliced, right? And Oh, yeah, yeah. And, He's got to get thrown into the regeneration yeah, in season pool. season one, he had like nanobots that would heal him up like right away whenever something happened to him. So like, what's up with that? Yeah. You know, I don't know, whatever. You know, just all, all this stuff with uh, Yana. And then we see another... Like someone Harry worked with. Hold on. Um, I mean, there, there was there was a second woman later that that we see in Harry's. Oh, Callie, Callie, Callie. So I mean, we we get like a lot of kind of like quote unquote backstory for for Harry um, in this episode. Again, whether we really need or not, I don't know. That's debatable. But um, you know, I guess that does show us. And that more humanizes him a little bit more because really in season one, I think he got killed in like episode three or four, I think like really super early, you know? Um, so, you know, we get to know Harry as, you know, not just a uh, projection. I think that's all I got, dude. All right, let's head on over to listener feedback and we, here from Suzanne in Germany, who says, Dear Dave and Wayne, first of all, please accept an extra portion of listener love sent your way. May your hearts keep healing. There are a lot of illnesses going on in my family right now, and the hardest part is feeling helpless when you see family members like this. That sucks. I hope that the podcast for you is as much of a safe place providing not only, but mostly lighthearted joy as it is for me in the audience, especially when times are tough. I had to get that out. And and you and I have said that before. It's just, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah it's Thank just, you. Uh, that's that's yeah. awesome. Thank you so much for, for saying that. Okay. So this is going to be a sappy message with quite a few thank yous. <laughs> All right. For one, I want to thank you again for your fringe coverage. It was so much fun rewatching the second season. And a special thanks to you as well as to your feedback givers for the rise in my appreciation of the Brown Betty episode. I'll admit I was a bit reluctant to rewatch that one because musicals are just not for me. To be honest, the two things that made me rewatch it, regardless, were your coverage of, of course, and that I recalled Peter looking super hot even more than usual. Am I allowed to say that? You're, Absolutely. Totally. Because yeah. Wayne and I have never mentioned yeah, that. Never character. say anything yeah. like that ever. Yeah. Um, but the episode has really grown on me due to your discussion about it and everything the other three contributed as well. So thank you all for that. Uh, whenever my next Fringe rewatch of the second season will happen, I know I'll be looking forward to Brown Betty then. Always look forward to Brown Betty. Yeah. By the way, I'm so impressed by Megan Ray's many rewatches of Fringe, but I don't doubt for a second that each of them were worth it. And in general, the best thing about you getting more feedback is, besides the great content, that your episodes are way over an hour long because, in my opinion, everything under an hour is not even a real podcast. <laughs> Dave would not agree with you on, on that. One, yeah, so. well, that's nah, okay. <laughs> uh, furthermore, I have to tell you how much I enjoyed the special segment that popped up in the back half of your coverage of Foundation Season 1. I'm referring to Dave and Wayne talk plumbing and home improvements, which was hilarious. I, I can't even remember that. I, I don't know. Um, I really don't wish for our houses to fall apart, believe me, but if they do again, could you please report about it? It's just so freaking entertaining. Uh, yeah, sure. I'm sure we will. Yeah. Well, hopefully not, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I, you know, last week my son and I went and uh, actually um, reinforced the stairs going down the basement, which were falling apart. But anyway, uh, thanks to Fred for asking and to you guys for talking about the writer's strike. Very interesting. I was wondering about that, but was too lazy to research myself. That I understand. And last, not least, thanks to Alan for recommending the show Ascension, which goes straight onto my to-watch list. Also, love the sports talk last time. Obviously, I hadn't heard of the team before, but to hear you so excited, it's always kind of funny and moving at the same time. Oppenheimer was indeed awesome. I'll go see the second time next week, actually. Would definitely justify another one of those wild theater adventures, Dave. But in case you wait until it's streamable, please do let us know what you think of the movie later. Hey, by the way, yeah, did you go see Barbie? 
Uh, we did not actually. Um, I guess oh, with yeah, the power it's kind of and, like power. <laughs> yeah, right. You gotta put a kibosh on your movie plans, right? Yeah, right. Well, plus the movie theater that uh, you would go to, even though I recommend yeah. you go to the one down by me, which still had power, bud. Um, but, and lastly, it will come as no surprise that it made my day to hear you guys will also be covering the third season of Fringe. That means I'm not going to rewatch it on my own right away, but will patiently wait for the SFTVR coverage. That's I I don't know if I would do that, but but thank you. <laughs> Until then, see you on Terminus. All the yeah. best, Suzanne. Now I will say I did watch the first episode of season three. Yeah, and then I had to stop myself. Season three like, is so freaking good, man! Oh my oh god. My god. Yes. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, let's hear what uh, Fred's got for us, and we'll be right back. Hello, Dave and Wayne, and all listeners to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Foundation, Season 2, Episode 1. Well, I'm very happy that I watched some Season 1 recaps. I also posted some links on the Facebook page for that, but of course everybody can find them themselves. But if you have watched the first episode of the second season, you probably already have done that. So that's okay. Unless you didn't do that and got so confused by this first episode that you still need it. I want my own Demerzel. <laughs> For multiple reasons. Wow, this is really high tech. The technology is really amazing. And the fact that she can restore herself, even losing half of her head. But as she said, my consciousness is decentralized. Well, that's a good thing. Actually, I wanted to make a remark about she going to bed with Brother Day in the sense of, well, she took care of you as a child. But I don't need to say that because Brother Dusk already did. She cleaned your diapers. And as I remember well from the first season, she was the only survivor, between air quotes, of a race of androids. Uh, so what happened to the others and how can she sustain herself? I mean, she herself is the proof of very high tech capabilities. But not only she, but also the tools with which she can repair herself. How can you maintain that after hundreds of years and many generations of Cleons? Talking about many generations of Cleons, what is the problem with this genetic aberration? I mean, Brother Dawn has it, and Brother Day probably as well, and I seem to function quite well. Brother Day, played by the actor Lee Pace, obviously worked out a little bit, because I have the impression his muscles are even bigger than in the first season. And he knows to show them off, or at least the writers and the directors. Well, he will go now for a old-fashioned kind of procreation, and uh, inviting this queen Sarette of cloud dominion. Well, that is not a, we call that, that's a Dutch expression, a kitten that can be handled without hand gloves. I don't know if that's an expression in English, but uh, it's a Dutch one. And you probably understand what's meant by it. Then there is the B story, Gal and Salvor on Synax and bonding there as mother and daughter, although the daughter is possibly older than the mother. These underwater scenes gave me a little bit of feeling of a film I recently watched with my wife, and that was Avatar, The Way of the Water. Three hour or three hour plus movie, terrifically made, really outstanding CGI. I think I never saw something of that quality. The story, although on the other hand, is more or less a little bit the same as Avatar 1. So that was a little disappointing. By the CGI and motion captioning things, Sigourney Weaver played a 14-year-old Navi girl. So on one hand, actors can be worried that they are will be replaced by CGI. On the other hand, you can extend your acting career by it as well. And then we have the C story, which is Harry Sheldon in the beginning and in the end. His surrealistic surroundings are great, but his surrealistic story is not very clear to me. Perhaps I just have to wait to the next episode and it will become a little clearer. 
Okay, that will be all. I wonder if your feedback givers from the Fringe podcast will hop over. All your foreign feedback givers, by the way. Suzanne from Germany, Alan from England, and Megan Ray from Canada. And Fred from the Netherlands says goodbye. Till next time. Fred, it's a good point about Demerzel and her durability. Uh, you know, certainly it's cool watching her repair herself. But, you know, again, I mean, we already kind of talked about the the issues around, I mean, for lack of a better term, her agency in this whole situation. And, you know, I, I think I feel like she's got a little more than you think she has. But regardless, she doesn't have what she should have if we're looking at her as an equal, which doesn't seem we are well we might be but yeah I, you know i mean like i said i i i strongly feel that that whole scene was just like really gratuitous like yeah. even as i was watching the first time i was like oh well i mean i and i know i talked about it because we we had mentioned that there's the one scene where she's like repairing herself and young young cleon is kind of watching her as she's doing it she's like kind of pulling down i she's pulling out a dress a little bit to do it i'm like oh man there's definitely sexual overtones here i mean it's just a kid but you know i'm just saying like i'm seeing it there um and then you know like right bang you know episode one of season two uh they're having sex i'm like well i mean wait long to you know resolve that fan theory right now fred mentions harry's story being unclear well i i i I hope i made it clear that it was unclear to me as well i mean you know i I mean we don't know exactly what harry plans to do now that he's escaped from the prime radiant but what is it that's escaped i mean is he more than a hologram? I mean, what is he? What is Harry Seldon at this point? Right. Well, he does have like an interface, I think, with the ship and stuff. Okay. But other than that, yeah, right. Yeah. So what? It's not yeah, like I mean, he can like start like you know, right. I'm going to yeah. mess you up, man. I'm going you know, to beat you up. Like what? You're a hologram. No. Well, I mean, it's it's not as if uh, you know we don't know the. Uh, the possibilities if artificial intelligence you know gets access to the right like know, maybe he has like a hairy bot like right back in the I back mean, or something you know I don't, you know terminator yeah you never just know. saying we'll see um sky we obviously just, have not watched season or episode two i haven't watched episode two yet, so I have right, absolutely right. zero clue where this is going so, so. All right. Anything else about Fred's feedback? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I actually, because Fred, you 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 said something about like the kitten there, and I I tried to figure out like what that meant, but I really wasn't translating. But here, there's another because my uh, daughter's roommate is Dutch, and she has like a little thing on the wall that says, uh, "Let them smell a poopy." <laughs> <laughs> Um, and at first, my, my son, so I was like, "Oh, that's that's great! Like it's like, yeah, like yeah, like smell my poop! Like go ahead, I don't care, yeah, everyone, yeah, everything." And Hans like, "No, that's not what it, it means at all." And, and she feels like it might have been uh, a little lost in uh, translation moment there. So I'm wondering if there's a a Dutch uh, saying that in English literally translates to uh, "let them smell a poopy," but. Uh, doesn't mean what I, I thought it meant. So, so Fred, if you could help me out there at all, that'd be great. Um, also, I also liked Avatar, the, the Way of Water, uh, very much as well. My family and I went and saw it at the movie theater. Probably talked about it in what I'm watching months ago. But, yeah, I love the Avatar movies and going to see them in the, you know, on the IMAX, I think we went and saw it. It was pretty, pretty intense. It was awesome. I think last but not least, I think you talked about um, Demersel and all the technology to keep her, like, you know, so she can repair herself. 
and obviously with I, I, well not obviously, but I'm just saying with her importance, uh, her obvious importance to Cleon. I think probably they put a lot into, you know, technology of maintaining Demerzel, especially as Fred points out, she's the the last of her kind there. So, yep. Which almost begs the question why there's not a backup or two, but well, I, maybe maybe there were and right, or it seemed like out. whatever led to her being the last one, it was pretty bad. You know, like. Whatever happened to 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 end the all the other end uh, of her kind was is why there there aren't more than just her. All right, all right. Well, let's get to Alan in England, and we'll be right back to talk about that. Hello to Dave Wayne and everyone listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. Alan from England here, mostly with feedback about Foundation season two, episode one. What I'm watching. Strange New Worlds, of course. Exactly like Wayne said, I'm waiting all week just for each episode to start. Now, I noticed it had dropped just as I was supposed to start teaching online. What a dilemma. <laughs> I caught up with it at lunchtime and break times and had it all uh, consumed by the end of the day. Finished watching Witcher Season 3. I've just started to rewatch Series 1 of Yord Scott, that Scandinavian mysterious show. Well, I noticed at the beginning a minor character is uh, the same actress who played the main protagonist in The Rain. Almost out of habit, I want to say, and now to Fringe. But we're not doing Fringe for a while, so now to Foundation in Selden's Shadow. Not Sheldon's Shadow, which would be easier to say, but would be a completely different show. So this episode is set about 173 years after the setting up of the Foundation, by which time, at least in the book, none of these people are around. Selden's not around. Well, not like this. Hardin's not around. Gale's not around. No robots are around. Nobody's around. But I understand why in this dramatization, it works better to have characters which stay around either because they're slipping through time in suspended animation or there's AI versions of them, because then you've got characters that you can relate to at least through into the next season. And with that said, we have to just put away the book for a while and enjoy the show for now. I do notice that in the overview of some later episodes, there's a mention of some other characters' names, which definitely are from the books, so I'll just wait to catch up with them. I do think also that the uh, everlasting robot Demersal and the AI version or versions of Harry Seldon do give a big shout out to some of Asimov's other books in talking about the self-awareness of artificial intelligences and also even intimate interactions with robots rather than necessarily with people, which do figure in some of those books, you might say is connected in the Asimov expanded universe. The opening scene certainly starts with some action of an intimate kind, although uh, Empire Cleon the 17th is pretty cold in using Demersal as a humanoid shield. He doesn't lose his head, but she certainly loses a bit of hers. Cleon is somewhat surprised by the failure of his aura and completely shocked to actually get cut. Selden is stuck in a mirrored construction, which looks a bit like Bruce Lee near the end of Enter the Dragon, and then we see a memory from when he was young, thinking about shapes in higher dimensions, casting lower dimensional shadows, which helps him understand the situation. When he steps out of that triangular opening, it's part MC Escher artwork and part 2001 Space Odyssey special effect rotating set. An interesting effect. Salvor and Gale aren't exactly bonding. But as Paul Simon says, the mother and child reunion is only a heartbeat away or possibly an exchanged breath away. We see Cleon on the mend, concerned much more about being replaced than about any pain he might be suffering, and certainly much more than about flapping around in the wind, despite what he says. That shadow master doesn't last long under his scrutiny. When he raises those two fingers in that particular way, doom soon follows. When that queen's arrival uh, with that folding wing ship 
uh, came to that high-rise platform, I was extremely reminiscent of some scenes from Star Wars movies with an Imperial touchdown in a very similar kind of uh, spaceship in a very similarly built-up planet of Coruscant. But of course, Tranter was about 40 or 50 years before Coruscant came along. Salva gets her ship raised up with Gale's help. I hate it when characters have to hold their breath underwater. As I start to hold my breath in sympathy with them, as if guilty that I could still breathe when they can't, and I realise that's not helping them at all. But at least they're getting on better now than uh, Cleon and the Queen Sarath. Dusk is won over by those pigments, but Sarath almost seems to want to throw that Trantor model away after criticising the real Trantor's artificial wings. Then there's that message about the jump ship that arrives, well, better 138 years later than never. We are reminded that the ship looks quite similar to Trantor. They both have those sets of rings around them, almost like one is the evil twin of the other. Though which way around that is, we've yet to determine. When Harry asks that AI Prime Radiance goal, she says it's humanity's interest, whereas he'd hoped it was about their personal survival. And they are definitely not the same thing. Again, echoing more of Asimov's extended laws of robotics in a related story. Then Harry's out of the Prime Radiant like a genie from a lamp. I wonder if they'll wish he was back in the uh, lamp. Well, I guess we'll find out next time. Take care. Alan from England. You mentioned trying to mention the novels less and less. And, 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 and I mean, on the one hand, I agree with Alan where he says that there's really no point in even considering the novel because the story, yes, there are elements of the series that can be found in the novel, but I I don't know. To me, there, there's just so much that's, you know, kind of gone off in, in other directions. Sure. That, yeah, yeah. Uh, but and, I, I, I like how he talks about, um, like, the iRobot, like, angle, because I'm like, oh, I didn't even think about that. But, but yeah, because, like, the, the artificial intelligence is really not part of the foundation, at least the first three foundation novels. Um, but definitely a huge part of, like, all the, the robot novels he wrote. All right. Anything else? Well, you know, I I am absolutely loving Strange New Worlds. I, I should have mentioned it uh, in, in what I'm watching. Um, Dave, oh my god, I, can't, I just can't tell you how how good this this series is. It's so good. Um, and they did have a musical series, which was just awesome. Like they they had the the crossover with um, Lower Decks the the one week and then. The musical, like two weeks later, or the week later, I think it was. Uh, it was so great. I am going to be so bummed. I think the next episode of Strange New Worlds is the last. I hope there's one more. I didn't check. Like this episode ten had kind of a very cliffhanger, and I'm, I'm hoping that there's one more episode because uh, it's just so 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 good. So I'm with you there, bud. Yeah, because you're going to have to wait for season two for quite a while, it looks like. Right. Well, three. Oh, three. Right. Yeah. With the writer's strike. Right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be a while. All right. Well, Alan, Fred, Suzanne, thank you guys for the awesome feedback. I'll let you go grade first this week. Um, you know, it was, I'm going to go B plus, I think. Ah, that's what I was going all I right. Was, I was afraid you were going to mock me for going too low. <laughs> no, and yeah, you know, this is another thing where like I can't really justify intelligently why I'm not giving it like at least an A minus. It was a very good episode. Well, you know, I mean, obviously the acting is really good. The production values are outstanding. There's just a certain coldness to the characters that as a viewer that really wants to make a connection with at least a handful right. of characters, I, I'm just not there. And, you know, we're one episode into season two, which uh, I will give it some time, but, you know, I came out of season one kind of feeling the same way. So we'll see where this heads. I, I mean, I, I think at this point, Gail and Salvor represent, the 
best chance for me to really kind of bond with with someone in this well, show. But I, I like this. I, I like the cut of the jib of this guy back on Terminus, who I, at first I thought was Hober Mallow, right? Okay. I mean, that's probably a spoiler. But I will say, when I rewatched season one, in the very, 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 very beginning of season one, they mention Salvor Harden and then two other people who are integral to the next two novels of the books. And they and I didn't realize that the first time that I watched it, but when I rewatched, I'm like, oh my God. And they actually dropped the name of a huge character that I'm not going to mention um, there. But if you want, you can go back and, and watch it yourself. But anyway, so I thought that guy might be Hober Mallow, but he's not. I looked on IMDb, some other character, um, different name and everything. But I, I'm kind of in, like, I, I think probably the next episode is going to take us back to Terminus a little bit more. And I think I'll probably get into it because it seems like there's a lot of stuff going on Terminus that should be pretty cool. But they didn't really spend much time there in this episode, which there you go. That's why I'm giving the B plus more terminus. All right. Sounds good. Want to leave it there? Yeah, I'm good. All right. That'll do it for this episode of sci-fi TV rewatch. Thank you for joining us. Love to hear what you think about foundation. Hey, the peripheral, I'm reading the book fringe. We will return at some point, hopefully not too far into the future probably check out nine weeks maybe (laughs) (laughs) check out the facebook group if you haven't already sci-fi tv rewatch at gmail.com is the way you can reach us and we'll be back next week to talk about season two episode two of the apple tv plus series foundation but until then you know dave all i have to say is just someone get me a damn blasted rope so our manhood isn't flapping around